when you're having a conversation with the seller, you want to make sure that you understand that you're on a GPS route. I think you've talked about this before. And at the end of the day that you're going to have roadblocks, you're going to have this, you're going to have that. Hey, slow down. Um, you're going to have detours. What we do is every time that they throw out a rebuttal, we quickly answer their question and we move on to the next question. Because if you sit there dwelling on what they want to know, you're not going to get to the meat and bones of why you're there. Right. When you're qualifying people and you're talking to homeowners, you want to make sure that you're figuring out whether this person is a candidate or not, because they will go ahead and run, you know, run you over with asking questions, just wanting to hear an offer. And then, you know, they're not a candidate. Perfect. What's up, everybody? Jamel Gibbs here. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is season two, second episode of season two. And we have another special guest. We're going to talk about some of the ins and outs of how you can structure or format your, your conversation with a motivated seller in order to be able to uh, almost have the, the seller negotiate with themselves. Right. So uh, what we're going to talk about are some things that you can use when it comes to negotiating a real estate deal, uh, different ways of gathering information without you looking like the bad guy and really putting it all on the seller, not in a bad way, but in order to be able to help the seller so that you can structure an offer that makes sense for the both of y'all. All right. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about today with our special guest, Brandon Narain. What's up, man? How you doing, brother? Uh, definitely appreciate you having me on here. Season two, I'm ready to bring the fire. Um, hope everything's going well, man. Everything is everything is copacetic, man. I appreciate you jumping on, man. So we met not so long ago uh, through Clubhouse. I'm meeting a lot of different people through Clubhouse, but it turns out that we have a lot of different, uh, a lot of people that's in the same circle as both of us, man. And, um, you know, I was on, when enticed me to want to have you on this podcast, we was on that Clubhouse, uh, when was it, last weekend, and we was just talking yeah. about different different things, really spitting a lot of game on uh on the, on that app. And um, I said I gotta get Brandon on. So uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, man? Yeah, uh, so I'm a 28 year old entrepreneur. Um, I currently reside in Orlando, Florida. Um, as you can see, I'm from Queens, New York. Um, uh, so uh, you know, I moved down from New York uh, around 13, 14. Um, you know, my mom was saying, hey, it's too cold. So she wanted to go ahead and come down to the South. Um, raised by a single mom, single grandmother. Um, and guys, I, I shared a bedroom with my grandmother to the age of 16. So we had basically two beds, one room. Um, you know, things were hard. But if you're from New York, you understand what that is. A lot yeah. of people always kind of stay uh, tucked in. Um, so it ended up being that, you know, I tried the whole school thing. Um, you know, try to go to college and ended up, you know, not really liking it. It took me five years to get my two year associate degree. Um, and, and before that, obviously, things weren't really going well. I was kind of a delinquent, you know, got expelled from high school. So trying to change my life. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, my dad, you know, kept telling me he wasn't in my life. But, you know, he would always tell me, try real estate uh, whenever I talked to him from time to time. And uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to try this real estate thing, you know, and I'm going to be better. I'm going to do better. You know, sometimes you got that little competition, especially from an absent father. So um, I went and got my license and uh, completely failed, completely failed. Um, you know, I was working with one person and uh, they said they just didn't find a property that they liked. And I told myself, I said, man, I know there's so many people that make money in real estate. How can I find something that suits me? Right. Because I didn't like the fact that I didn't have control um, over what what I was going to be able to do. Right. When it comes down to the retail side. Right. If they didn't like the property um, or they didn't like the door, they didn't like the layout. They weren't going to buy. And if they didn't buy, I wasn't going to get paid and I can only get paid based on a value of the property that they're selling or buying. So to me, I'm like, you know what? How I, there's got to be another way. Right. So, so that's when I came across wholesaling real estate. Cool, man. So you started off as an agent first, and then from there you you segued into wholesaling. That's it's kind of funny, it's similar to my to my story. Um, it took me personally, it took 13 months for me to get my my first check in real estate in general. But I used to work with uh Fillmore Real Estate in Brooklyn. It's the largest okay. uh the largest uh 
brokerage in 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 uh, Brooklyn, New York, and some parts of Queens as well. But um, when I started, we didn't have coaches, and you know these days everybody's a guru or or some type of educator. Nothing wrong with that. You know, there's a there's a lot of information out there, but we didn't have that when I first started back in 02. So I used to work for this brokerage and I segued into uh, the Burr strategy, they call it today, uh, back in 02 as well. So starting off as a broker, uh, the difference was I didn't start off as a wholesaler like you did. I went right into fix, flip, refi, cash out, and uh, and, I, and I bought a few hundred houses that way uh, and then yeah. you know, moved on. So you've been in a business since, uh, for how long roughly? 2017, 2017. So about four years now, you've been in the business. Um, I know that you hit your first six-figure month not so long ago. Um, yeah, January 20, 2019, hit my first, uh, first six-figure month. That was that was a crazy month. Um, it was it was crazy. I mean, you know, even when you get your first deal, you like, you know, my first deal was $10,000. Um, I paid somebody for, for disboning it, right, finding me a buyer. And just making the 8500 you know, it's like, man, because when I was going to school, I would, I would use my refund money, you know, to save that. So I wouldn't buy my books. You know, I would save that money that was coming in. So, you know, and I'm working at the hospital. So before, I, I was literally making around $26,000 a year trying to find out what career I was doing. So, you know, me making 8500 on one transaction to me was mind-blowing, you know, so you know, the, the year later, a year and a half later, making uh, six figures in one year, it's like, I knew, I knew now whatever I wanted to do was obtainable, you know, mm -hmm. maybe the big house, the car, whatever it is that, you know, I wanted at that time, I felt like it was obtainable. Cool, man. So let, let's talk about that for a minute before we jump into all of the meat, right? So you started, and, and the reason why I want to bring this out is because there's a lot of people that's brand new listening to this right now. And yeah. you were just there a couple years ago, right? You, you know, talking about four years ago, you know, people can relate to that type of story. So what, what did it take for you to get your first deal? How long did it take for, for it to get done? And what did it take for you to get that check? Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and give you guys uh, my mindset. Okay. So first and foremost, what, what I was doing is I was actually a bird dogging, or I guess you can say trying to um, dispo for another person, okay? Now, I didn't know anything about anything, but I knew about wholesaling, and all I all I knew was put out bandit signs. So when he paid me some money for, for when he sold a deal, I said, man, you know, this thing really does work, and I wonder how much money he's worth, he's, he's uh, making. So, you know, what ended up happening was that I ventured off, you know, months later, and I said, you know what? I know how this works, right? And I know that it works because there's people that I've seen making money, where, not where, on YouTube. Where were you getting this information from? That's why. So I was getting it off YouTube, but then I found somebody that was actually doing it. But all, all they wanted me to do was just put out bandit signs, right? Got you. So, and the, the funny thing was that while I was the agent, I was working at the barbershop. That was what was one of my jobs, one of the two jobs. And my best friend tells me, hey, there's this guy that does real estate. I know you've been saying you don't like the, the retail thing. You should talk to him. So he actually was wholesaling. Um, and he was, you know, I was like, hey, man, what do you do? And he's like, hey, we do this type of stuff. And I said, oh, that's exactly what I've been learning, you know, trying to learn. Right. So what ended up happening was that I actually had a buyer. Okay. This is the this is the actual true first deal of me. So I, I tell people I got two first deals. So the first deal that I ever really had was I had this buyer that honestly wanted a lot, wanted properties. Okay. I was selling, I was basically putting out banner signs and this buyer ended up buying that property from him. So when I ventured off, he said, Hey, do you guys have more properties? And I said, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't really work with the guy anymore, but I'm going to try to get you some more properties. I said, Hey, listen, would you entertain if we did like a direct mail campaign and I would make sure that you would get a deal and you would just pay me 50% of whatever the wholesale fee would be on the market. So like, let's just say the market, you know, for a regular assignment on that particular property was 15,000. You would pay me 50%, 7,500, right? right? And what he ended up doing was giving me a thousand bucks. We did direct mail. Um, I was at the hospital at the barbershop taking the phone calls, you know, quickly figuring out that I shouldn't have made that deal because I'm doing all the work. And uh, we got the deal on the contract. My mistake was that, once again, me being, you know, not educated in what I was doing, I didn't want to take the risk of having my name on the contract. 
So I let the investor take the, the, the original purchase and sale agreement. And uh, what ended up happening was they closed the deal and he ended up paying me in payments over the next five months instead of paying me my whole flat fee. Wow. So that was a learning lesson for me, but it was also one of those things where I didn't invest the money and I had help. Right. So that was truly my first deal. But for me, I say my first deal was the one that I was just talking about, which I made, you know, the 10,000 and I paid somebody 1500 was because I literally did it all on my own, got it under contract, took it to the title company. Um, you know, everything was just me. And I mean, it, it was, it was, I was scared because I'm like, man, I'm promising this person $80,000. You know, what if this contract doesn't work, right? What if the clauses don't work? What if I don't find a buyer? I mean, there was so many things that were going on through my head. And, and I think it was so much different than the first time. So, uh, you know, my second deal for me was really my first deal because that showed to me proof of concept, right? right? It's like, I, I see my dad do pull-ups, but, you know, can I really do the pull-ups? <laughs> Understood, man. You know, it's kind of funny, man. I used to, when I first started, I, I was working in a barber shop too, man. So we kind of, we got a lot in common yeah. in that regard, man. Both yeah. from New York, both used to cut hair. I still cut yeah. my own hair. And uh, <laughs> you know, we're both uh, in a real estate business as well, man. Beautiful yeah. thing, man. Uh, so, so you got your first deal. You have yep. proof of concept. You got what we call a shut up check, right? So everybody yeah. can shut up now. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. You know, so what was your next step to get to that six-figure month? So my next step was, how do I do this again, right? So so then it's like, okay, I got money. You know, I'm 24, 25. I'm like, don't spend it. Don't spend it, mm -hmm. right? You got to reinvest. And I've always been good at that because I've always had an entrepreneur, you know, uh, mindset, right? So I, I automatically was like, okay, what did I do? I went to the courthouse, got tax delinquents. I used this postcard and I used this, this type of flow. Okay. I said, I just got to do it again. Did it again. It happened again. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Did it again. It happened again. I said, you know what? There's not, and now I'm starting to document my journey on social media. So I'm starting to connect myself with other wholesalers that are around the nation. So then I start hearing about this thing called ringless voicemail. So I said, you know what? Let me try to bring this voicemail thing, right? It's, it's a little cheaper. So um, I try to bring this voicemail thing and I get so many calls and I'm like, okay, more opportunities, more leads, hopefully more deals. So then that started happening. And, um, you know, from then it just started going where I started hiring people. You know, I hired uh, two VAs um, and, uh, you know, it was just working out. Um, you know, it was very small and it was working out. Right. Um, and then, and then after that, I transitioned into, uh, you know, literally having acquisitions with, you know, with me um, and, and, and just the whole nine yards. But it was one of those things that it was it was literally just replicating what I was doing, finding more people that uh, align with my core values and teaching them what I needed them to do and just giving them more leads, like feeding the beast. Right. So that's what I noticed. But I also started to quickly notice and we'll talk about this a little later that everything was transaction based, right? Nothing was always set in stone. Like if I didn't make those calls, if my team didn't make those calls, if I wasn't working, I wasn't going to get paid. Right. Right. But the great thing about it was that this was way better than working at the barbershop, juggling the, you know, uh, me being at the uh, hospital as well. And, and to me, it was like, if I hustle enough, right. If I hustle enough, I can truly now learn real estate because just like you said, my goal was when I stopped the retail thing, I said, man, how else can I do this? Right. And of course, it's fixing and flipping. And I remember going to one of those, those, uh, what is it called? Uh, those seminars, like uh, whatever, those seminars that they do all the time. And they were talking about fixing and flipping and they, you know, they want you to do the hard money and invest mentorship. And I said, man, there's got to be another way. And that's how I came across wholesaling. So when I started wholesaling, the whole point was to fix and flip afterwards. But then I'm like, man, there's so many variables that go into flipping with this, all I'm doing is marketing the people and it's all up to me with flipping. You got the contractors, the appraiser, the, the, the real estate agent. Um, I mean, Render. so many variables yeah, yeah, that if one goes wrong, it could deter you right with marketing. The only thing that can go wrong is that we just don't talk to enough people. That's right. 
So, so you just hit the nail right on the head with how this whole thing starts, right? It starts with marketing, right? So you, you, the whole point is to drive leads. And what do you feel is the best um, lead source working for you right now? For, for me right now, um, it's going to be cold calling. Cold calling is, is definitely uh, the best one for us right now. Um, who, are you cold calling, think, who are you cold calling to? So we're, we're cold. So I want to go ahead and get this, 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 uh, this out there. We're cold calling to potential motivated homeowners. Okay. Now what that means is that you don't really know whether they're motivated or not. That's the key. A lot of times, you know, us, um, you know, we're always telling people, you know, get this delinquent list of taxes, get this code violation list, you know, get this vacant list, uh, get this absentee owned list, this high equity. That doesn't mean that they're going to give you that right. property. It doesn't mean that they're motivated. Now, the job, your job is to find out if they are motivated. Right. And these are just lists that, once again, it's like they have the potential because we see that there's something going on. So the list that worked for us the best, to be honest right now, I'm going to drop, drop it, is listsource.com. Um, we use a lot of the unknown equity tab. And mm. the reason why is because what this means is that the county, that municipality, doesn't really know how much equity is in the property. Right. So it can be a really old property or it can be a property that just kind of fell between the cracks. And the great thing is that this is all about eliminating your competition. You know, there's more and more people out here trying to wholesale. Um, and what that means is that you got to be able to get to people that aren't being touched as much. Right. That aren't being contacted as much. And we found that these leads um, are just better for us. Right. So what we'll do is we'll do um, three, two. You know, we, we know what our investor wants. So we'll do like a three, two between a uh, thousand and two thousand square feet, um, unknown equity, uh, and last an unknown last sale date, and that usually works high. You know, we, we do high numbers, you know, because it, we're trying to get as many people as possible. And that's key, right there, man. You just said know what your investors want. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first started uh, teaching uh, REOs back about 12, 12 years ago, I used to teach how to flip bank-owned properties. One of the main things was finding your buyers first, right? So we. Nowadays, they call it reverse wholesaling. I used to call it the reverse effect. This was before reverse wholesaling actually came out, right? Yeah. So yeah. the concept was find your buyers, know what they want, and then just give them what they want, right? And you just hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. All you really got to do is find the buyers and understand what the criteria is. Once you understand the criteria, the rest of it is easy to do. Easy. You just go out and find it. Right. Easy. A hundred percent. I mean, and this one of those things where um, I tell people all the time and I, and I think it's one it's it's one again. It's something that people focus on trying to find a deal. Right. But, the and, you know, when people say, listen, if you find a good deal. Right. Jamel, you find a good deal. Somebody's going to buy it. Right. The issue is, is that you don't know what a good deal is because you're not the one buying. it. Something is only worth what somebody else is willing to pay for. it. That's right. Right. I can say, hey, Jamel, I have, you know, I have this uh, USB Ethernet cord. I'm selling it for $50, right? And I post it on Craigslist or, or Facebook. If nobody buys it at $50 for a week in a week, guess what I have to do? Drop my price. So it just went from, in my opinion, a good deal, right, for me, but it ain't a good deal to anybody else. So oh. if we find out what a good deal is for buyers, very easy. We go ahead and find that. Once we obtain that, we add in our assignment fee and it's, you know, it's set in stone. That's it, man. Or another, another way to look at it is, you know, if you got a deal and you don't know if it's a good deal or not, run some buyers through, they'll tell you how much they'll pay for it. Then you go back and renegotiate the contract. Exactly. exactly. Makes things a lot easier, you know, but all of this is part of what I wanted to talk about today. So we, we spoke about acquisitions a little bit. I want to dig into acquisitions a little bit more, but specifically talking to sellers. So if we had to give our, our listeners, let's say five tips, three to five tips to keep in mind when they're talking to sellers in order to prevent looking like the bad guy when they make the all cash offer, because chances are the all cash offer is going to be a lot lower than what sellers are looking for, right? Yeah. So how, how can you position it to where the seller is actually negotiating with themselves in a sense? And it's all in how you frame the question, right? Exactly. So 
what are some tips that you would that you will provide for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give some more than three tips. So make sure you have your Perfect, pen and pad. Okay. So first and foremost, what what we go ahead and tell people is listen, there is no special script out there. There's a bunch of scripts that you can go ahead and tailor fit from Jamel, from me, from other people that you go ahead and take that is gonna fit a framework, like you just said, a framework of what you should be doing, right? So that's going to be your foundation, okay? That's that's number one, right? So when people say, hey, is there a special script? Honestly, no, there's a foundation, okay? Right. For me, that's in my opinion. There's a foundation, and you can grab pieces from here and there that is going to help you uh, go ahead and navigate. Now, I say the word navigate, right? I talk about this all the time. When you're having a conversation with the seller, you want to make sure that you understand that you're on a GPS route. I think you've talked about this before. And at the end of the day that you're going to have roadblocks, you're going to have this, you're going to have that. Hey, slow down. Um, you're going to have detours. What we do is every time that they throw out a rebuttal, we quickly answer their question and we move on to the next question. Because if you sit there dwelling on what they want to know, you're not going to get to the meat and bones of why you're there. Right. When you're qualifying people and you're talking to homeowners, you want to make sure that you're figuring out whether this person is a candidate or not, because they will go ahead and run, you know, run you over with asking questions, just wanting to hear an offer. And then, you know, they're not a candidate. OK, another thing, your first five seconds will get you your next 10 seconds and moving forward. So we say stuff like this. Hey, Jamel, how's it going? It's Brandon. Automatically. Right. Automatically, you might think that this is somebody from your doctor's appointment that you're not here right now. You might think this might it might be your tax consultant. You might be uh, it might be a guy, you know, a girl that you met at a bar that you forgot their name. So now it brings your guard down. Right. And, and your emotions are down here versus up here. Right. You're not automatically like oh stringent because this is another sales call. Right. right. So I automatically, you know, with assertiveness. If, and even if it's the wrong person, I say, OK, well, listen, I'm actually calling about X, you know, one, two, three Main Street. Are you the owner of this property or do you know who the owner of the property is? No, I do not. OK, well, listen, I'm actually a local investor in the area. I'm looking to purchase uh, one or two homes this month. Do you you know, do you have a property? So auto automatically you want to go ahead and start off with uh, the, the initial. Um, what's the word of it? Uh, my, my first uh, breaker. Icebreaker, yes, but um, you know, the first time that you meet somebody, right? The first time you meet somebody, first impression. Your right. first impression is is always the biggest thing. I mean, maybe with Jamel and, and myself on Clubhouse, when we were talking, my first impression was, okay, he knows what he's doing, right? Now, when you on that phone, you don't. The first impression shouldn't be, oh, I don't like this guy. You know, he keeps calling me because he's gonna think that you're the same guy that called him yesterday the day before and the other day. So you want to make sure that you can get in and kind of, you know, ease their mind. Another thing, right, is we want to go ahead. What we have in our companies called a sales process, right? So we want to make sure that we are abiding by the sales process. The first step is introducing yourself and setting expectations. Hey, my name is Brandon. I want to know if you want, if you would consider, you would consider a cash offer. Now we're not going to assume at this point in time that you want to sell. We're just calling, you know, Hey, as a kind gesture to say, would you consider, or would you might, you know, are you interested in selling? So we're going to set expectations and introduce ourselves. Okay. Next thing we're going to do is clarify the condition and build rapport. So what does that look like? Asking questions about the property's condition, right? Now, what I'm trying to do here is paint a picture. I've never been to your house. So for instance, Jamel, I want to make sure that you're telling me about how your kitchen looks, how your living room looks, right? Does it have uh, wood floors? Does it have stainless steel appliances? Does it have granite, right? And sometimes, guys, we do use these big words. I like to tell people, get very well with your big words because it's one of those things that if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, yeah, Brandon, you broke your leg, you might need one of those things to wrap it in and, you know, it might be a couple weeks. You're going to be like, I need another doctor. <laughs> but if he says something like, hey, you broke your tibia, you know, um, you also fractured your, your fibia, you're going to be in a stint and you need six to eight weeks, you know, low bearing, blah, 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 blah. Just because he said these bigger words, now you automatically say he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Right. So when you use these 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 uh, renovation words, right, when you use these types of words, it also puts you in the position to where you're the expert 
and you're trying to consult them, right? In a nice way. So we like to ask these types of questions. Another thing that we like to do when clarifying the condition and building rapport is we like to, uh, to go ahead and stroke the subconscious mind. So for instance, Jamel, how does your kitchen look? Have you done any renovations recently? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So you haven't done any recent renovations. As we're like writing down notes, what that's going to do is basically this, this example right here, Jamel, you work out a lot, right? Yep. If I say, hey, when was the last time you worked out? And you're like, a week ago. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. A week ago. Now your mind, you're going to be like, man, I need to get back in the gym. Right. Another thing I'm trying to go ahead and find out is what does he think about his property? There's only two types of properties. One that needs work and one that doesn't. Right. So we're looking for the ones that don't need work. So I'm trying to establish that. And what we're also trying to do is called a double L leverage later. So we're trying to go ahead and get as much information as possible about the property, right? Mostly the cons. And we're trying to go ahead and leverage it later to where we give them a range, not an offer, but a range to go ahead and let him understand, right? Why we're giving him that because it's always better when you say it versus me saying it. That's right. Right. So I don't want to get redundant, but you know, if you want me to go ahead and I can go through the whole process. No, man, let's do it. Okay. So cool. So we clear not, we're clarifying the condition. We're building with that report. Okay. After that, we're establishing the property value, right? So, Hey, Jamel, what do you think your property's worth in today's market? 200,000, 300,000. Okay, great. Let me ask you this, Jamel. I mean, would you say that it's worth 300,000 in its current condition or after repairs? After right. Repairs. If you say after repairs, what have you just told me? That your Probably. house right now is not worth 300000 okay? Now, let's just say the property is worth three twenty. Well, guess what, Jamel? You didn't know, but you just gave me a $20,000 discount. So I'm winning already, right? Yep. So what we have established is that we're both on the same playing field. You understand that your property needs work. You understand the, 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 what it's worth, okay? And I understand what I, what I think it might be worth. But the better thing about this is that you said it and I didn't say it, okay? Right. You said it. Next thing we go, we move on forward. OK, well, let me ask you this, Jamel. If you were to go ahead and fix anything in your property, what would you fix and why? Well, I would fix whatever. Right. You would go on about what you're going to fix, why you would fix it. X, Y, Z. OK. Right. Next question we ask. Let me ask this, Jamel. I mean, I haven't, you know, slung a hammer and a nail in a while. You know, I do have contractors for that. But since You've owned this property for 12 years. How much would you say it would take to go ahead and renovate this property? Now, when you say this, the person's always going to use the lowest amount. So if you think it's going to take 30 grand, you want to start at 25. So I would say something like this, 25, 35, 40,000. What would you say? Right. So now they're going to tell you. Yeah. So now they're going to tell you, well, they're either going to say maybe 25 or not, not that much, this much. And I say, OK, sounds good. Appreciate that information. So now we're moving forward. So what do we have here, guys? Right. We have build report. Right. We're trying to go ahead and build report from where they're at. Maybe uh, before that, obviously, you should have been trying to find pockets of report. What are pockets of report talking about what's going on in, in you know, around. Right. If there's a Super Bowl going on, maybe try to. Pick something about that. If there's something going around about, you know, politics, act like, you know, you don't really know what's going on. You're not picking sides, but, you know, dwell on it. Whatever it is you want to find that BLT, believe, like, and trust. People only do business with they with people that they believe, like, and trust. I wouldn't be on this podcast right now if Jamel didn't do one of those, believe, like, or trust me, right? He just wouldn't have me on his podcast. So once again, the average homeowner only owns a property twice in a lifetime. So this is a big, big, big purchase for them. So if you can't find that connection, it's going to be hard for you to go ahead and get them to uh, accept your offer. Okay. So once again, what have we established? The property value, the property condition. Okay. And how much it would take in repairs. Right. Now, this is where you want to go ahead and start asking them that awkward, that awkward, uh, you know, that awkward thing. So, hey, Jamel, I appreciate, you know, your transparency. Um, and listen, I know that you're trying to get to Florida, you know, and I know that, you know, you want to go ahead and get rid of this. Um, you did say the property is vacant. 
So let me ask you this, man. If if I can close in a time frame of your choice, right, and, and get this done for you relatively fast, as well as pay cash, I mean, what would that special number be to go ahead and lift this burden off your shoulders, right? And, and then they either talk. Or another one that we say is, hey, Jamel, you know, I understand this is the most awkwardest part of the conversation, but it's the most easiest part, which is talking about numbers, right? I want to go ahead and ask you this question. I know if I offered you about 100000 you'd probably hang up on me right now, right? Well, I truly believe that every seller really knows what they want. What's that special number to go ahead and get this behind you? One, one that works well for me is, Mr. Seller, if I had a bag of cash for you right now, and I came up to you and said, look, I got this bag of cash. How much needs to be in that bag for us to be able to close this deal right now? Well, that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. So there's a lot of ways that you can structure it, but it's all about really it's in all of this, guys. It's all about the way that you frame the question. That's really what it is. You got to know when to ask the question and you got to know how to ask the question. OK, this is kind of like dating. OK, you want to you, you don't want to move too fast, but you also don't want to move too slow. OK, and you want to be able to match their tonality. They say, I believe it was 90% of people when they're talking to somebody, they're automatically trying to visualize how this person looks right. and sounds. So at the end of the day, if, 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 you're, if you're talking to somebody, you sound down, they're going to see that. They're going to visualize that. If you are you know, mumbling and stuttering and doing things like that, they're going to think that you're not an expert, right? So you want to make sure that you know, you're framing this question and understanding, as well as Mumbling and stuttering is also very, very good, which I'm about to get into. As soon as they tell you that price, you want to say, I mean, I understand, Jamel, um, you know, that 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 you're, you know, you're looking at that price. But, you know, based on what I'm looking at here, do you know this this property over here at 123 Main Street by Baldwin Park? No, I'm not too familiar. OK, well, you know, that that property actually recently just sold. Um, and it's it sold, I, I believe here looking at around, it sold for around the 90 to $80,000 mark. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that's what I'm going to give you, but looking at that number, right. On what you're looking to, you know, what you're looking to go ahead and get the market is telling me a little bit different. Let me ask you this. Is, is there a real reason why you need this amount of cash? What would be the benefits you to getting $150,000, right? Because sometimes they're going to go ahead and talk about, well, my father passed away. I need 30000 for this, right? Uh, this So you really want to find out, is this really negotiable, right? Is this really negotiable? So that's when we're getting into the meat and bones of really trying to play that stage of good cop, bad cop. So one word that we use, hey, Jamel, you know, the market is not allowing me to do that number. But let me ask you this, you know. I love to go ahead and, you know, I love to go ahead and dance, but right now it seems like you're the only one dancing. Is there any way that we can make this a win-win situation for the both of us? Right. And see where they're at. Now, maybe they might say, Hey, listen, okay, well, what's your offer? Well, you know, based on what I'm looking at here, I would have to double check with my partner to see if I can get this approved, but you know, we would probably be in the range of 50 to 75,000. How does that make you feel? Not, not how does that make you, you know, how does that sound? How does that make you feel, right? Because this is an emotional game, right? The same way people go to the mall and they buy something out of emotion. A lot of the times, you know, so this is an emotional game. We're trying to find that connection, right? So that's what we do. We price anchor him. We, go, we come down and we say, listen, right? I was either able to get it approved. One second before you, I want to bring out two key things that you just mentioned. Yeah. Two key things, yeah. right? Uh, first and foremost, when you made the offer, you based it off of what the seller told you. So when you go back to the seller, what Brandon is saying, look, based off of what you told me, here's what I'm prepared to offer you today. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So again, the way you're framing it, the seller just told you, he just provided you with all of this information and you're reminding them, subliminally reminding them, exactly. he gave you all of this information. And now and this is why your offer is what it is. So again, you don't look like the bad guy. And I don't. Case. 
I don't because I'm on your side. I'm on your team. And and the way I break down this analogy, Jamel, and it's, um, it's you know, funny that you said that is I used to watch a lot of uh, it's a show called First 48. Right. Where it's the cops. They're trying to figure out, you know, whatever type of uh, a charge or whatever. They're trying to find somebody. And when they do the interrogation process, a lot of the times they say, OK, so you were at this place or you said you were here. And all they're doing is guiding them. But at the whole time, they know what's going on. Right. So it's more crucial when you have said it than I have said it because it came out of your mouth. Right. So all I'm doing is taking what you've told me because it's your property. Right. It's your house. You know. So and that's another thing. We always say property. We say house. We never say home. Right. Home, home. is very feely. Yep. Right. We say property. OK. And there's a, there's two things that you can't negotiate. You can't negotiate with a crazy seller or a sentimental seller. If there's attached, there's sentimental value attached, it's going to be very hard to negotiate with that because they're not talking about numbers now. They're talking about value, right? So what we do is we go ahead and we still play that little cat and mouse game of, of trying to see if we can get that done. Now, what we're going to do is an advance agreement, an advance agreement. Okay, well, let me ask you this. If somehow, some way I can get my partner, Jamel, to, you know, approve that price would you be willing to sign today that was actually the second thing i wanted to uh bring out by the way um you know we talked about this a little bit on on our last clubhouse call yeah but never ever position yourself as the authority the decision maker in the conversation that leaves you with enough leverage enough leeway to be able to go back to someone else even if it's only you even if you got to go exactly. talk to your wife or your husband, right? Should we make this decision? But you don't look like the bad guy. Again, exactly. you make the exactly. offer, you're basing the offer off of what somebody else is giving you permission to be able to do. So when you remove yourself, even if you are the main decision maker, if you remove yourself and you have the seller uh, in the back of the seller's mind, they believe that you're not the decision maker. Now, when you come and you're doing them a favor, making them this particular offer you look like the good guy you're trying to help them out in that case exactly exactly because because i'm trying to get this price approved it's not me it's them or it's the market or it's the house it's everybody i'm on your team right and if it's necessary i'm gonna try i'm even gonna put money out of my pocket for you right because i'm i'm with you we came together you know so you always want to establish that relationship and that bond with them. You know, uh, one thing that I did miss out on too is that I always, I always call it, you know, bring, bring it to daddy, right? What that means is eliminating your competitors. All right. A lot of the times you want to say, okay, Jamel, I mean, even if it's a, even if it's a distressed house, we even say at the end, okay, Jamel, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a bit confused. I mean, this sounds like a great property. Why don't you just keep it? Takeaway sale. Right. Why, or why, why do you even want to sell? Because I'll break it down to you. Right. Jamel, I got the new iPhone where I don't even know where it's at. Right. And I'm trying to sell it to you. Hey, Jamel, I got the big screen. I got the buttons. It's fast. It, it, it has longer battery. You know what the bigger question is? If it's so good, why are you selling it? Right. I don't care about none of these other features, because if it's so good, you wouldn't want to sell it. So when, they're, when we're doing all this, we're doing that all at the end, which I skipped this part, but it was basically to find out what is their true motivation. And that is the biggest key right there. Then we start doing what, we, what you just said, the takeaway or giving the no, right? We're literally saying, why don't you just keep it? Now we're eliminating the next person. Well, have you ever thought about listening with a realtor? No. Okay. Well, do you have funds to fix the property? No. So guess who's left? You are. <laughs> Gotta right. love it, man. So it, it's it's really, and we talked about it in Clubhouse too, which is it's just reverse psychology. But in, in the ways, in the reason why you know that sounds bad sometimes, but the reason why I say that is because a lot of people don't understand what they have and what they don't have. Right? You have to understand that if if the property hasn't been renovated, I can't give you top dollar. Right? Even if it's only been fifteen years. I can't give you top dollar, even if it's clean and it looks, you know, decent. It's hard for me to give you top dollar compared to something that has sold um, fully renovated. Granted, 
right? It doesn't have Formica. It has 42-inch cabinets. You know, it has new roof. I mean, it has all, all the bells and whistles, fixtures and all. I mean, it's hard. So a lot of these, a lot of the times they don't understand that we have to give you current or as is market, market, uh, not market value, but as is value and offer. But there's, you know, there's, I don't know if this was back in the day, but now there's Zillow, Redfin, Trulia that give all these numbers and people think that that's accurate and it's not. Right. It's not. So yeah, you can't base it off of uh, any of those. You got to do your own research, uh, do your homework in order to be able to get more accurate numbers. But the best way to get accurate comps is to get an appraisal on a property. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and even that. Even then. Right, you know, yep. Even yeah, then. Even, I'm going to break. Yeah. Even that. That's all. That's all subjective. That's a, yep. that's opinionated. Yep. And the reason why. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, when it comes down to comps is you literally have to look at each comp and look at the condition. Yep. These these companies, you know, and they're great companies. We use them too. But these companies, they're using algorithms. They're using 3-2 square footage in the area. And they're saying this property sold for XYZ. So this one should be worth XYZ. Not knowing that that one is is fully renovated and, and, and it was, you know, but, but it's on a main road, right? Yeah. Which is, of course, is going to make it, so it's one of those things that you want to have an eye and that's really easy. You know, uh, you can get, you can get taught that what you can't be taught is effort. That's the only thing you can't be taught. That's right, man. Now, do you have this uh, script or these questions somewhere that you, that you store or like, do you provide? Yeah, so, so yeah, when we hire, so when we hire for our acquisitions, I've actually built out like a course and a PDF that they go through the training and they understand because what I started finding out was, um, how do I realize or how do I find out what went wrong in this conversation? Right. And, and you're like, yeah, I did this and I did that. But you're like, okay, but why didn't you get the deal? And if you don't have a process or a framework of what it is that that conversation should look like, you can't go back and fix it. That's right. So, so we, what we did is did that sales process to find out how does this conversation usually work? And when you do this correctly, you know, how effective does it work? So, yeah, I mean, we, we have something like that, like I said, in the company that we use uh, for training purposes. Sounds good. One thing I'm going to recommend is everybody, if you have the ability to record your conversations with the seller. This way you can, like like Brandon just said, you know uh, where you messed up at, where you could make improvements or where you shined at as well. So, you know, to do it over and over again. But you will never know that if you don't record your conversation. So make sure you record your conversations. I know if you if you get call rail, I'll link it in the description box. Um, get call rail. You can record the conversations and then go back and listen to them so you can know how you sound over the phone and where you can make improvements as well. So uh, exactly. definitely do that. Brandon, exactly. man, this has been solid stuff, bro. Listen, yeah, yeah. if our listeners wanted to get in contact with you, uh, where should they go like uh, to uh, find out more about you? Yeah. So um, uh, Instagram right now for me is, is probably the most, uh, you know, intimate for me. I mean, that's when I'm usually one um, on all the time. Um, and that's at blue notes, the color blue, like you're writing down notes, Brandon. Um, also my YouTube channel um, at blue notes, Brandon as well. And uh, my new favorite one is obviously clubhouse, right? So clubhouse is just my regular government name, Brandon, the rain. And, uh, I think it's crazy because a lot of people are going to be looking at this YouTube video and, you know, years later, we're going to be saying like, man, Clubhouse is now a yeah. bunch of people on it. Right. So. um, So, yeah, Clubhouse is definitely my new favorite. You can definitely, uh, you know, find me on there. Follow me. Turn your notifications on. Um, but, yeah, Instagram for me, I definitely put out a lot of content just helping people. And uh, I'm definitely more proactive on them. Sounds good, man. And uh, definitely take it. If you have iOS, I know that. uh it's only available on iOS right now. No, we on both now. We on oh, both. Is it on both? Um, yeah. Clubhouse. Yep. Oh, oh no. Oh, Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, I think they got a beta coming, but okay. yeah, I think they got a beta coming. But I would say iOS because even iOS sometimes be. Yeah, yeah. It's a little, it's a little buggy, but yeah. if you're looking to to get great information, you know, Brandon and I we're part of a a, a group, and we we continue to provide value for people just about, I mean, I'm not on it every single day, but um, when I am on it, at least multiple times throughout the week, uh, you're getting a lot of value. So be sure to follow both of us on Clubhouse. Yeah, well. yeah. Sometimes too much. Sometimes, man, that Clubhouse will take over you. Yeah, man. Now you have, uh, the, you also have the AnyDeal app on both the iOS and the uh, 
Yes, sir. As well, right? Yes, sir. Check out and any I, deal app. I'm gonna link yeah. uh, a link in the, the uh, description box so you can check out the any deal app as well, um, yeah. along with Brandon's uh, contact information. So be sure to be sure to check that out. Uh, yeah. If 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 you had to provide some some books that has have helped you in your real estate business or in business in general in life, what would those books be, man? Like, what are you reading right now? So right now I'm rereading Traction. I think Traction is a good book to uh you know to kind of get in tune with. Um, That's a, that if you're brand new, Traction can be a difficult read if you don't understand yeah. business. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's definitely a, a great book. I'll link it in the description box as well. Yeah. Um, another one for me that changed my mindset a lot: Outwitting the Devil. Um, Outwitting the Devil for me changed my mindset a lot. Um, one that I'm gonna uh, start reading um, is is uh, Built Built to Sell, and I have it here. It's actually by um, John Wargo. So. I'm, I'm trying to find, you know, I'm trying to build a, a business that I can sell. Um, and then also I would recommend uh, the 21 laws, um, the 21 of your football laws. I like that one. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is obviously a good one too. Um, what else we got here? Um, I'm going to give, I'm a, I, man, giving away a library, I'm gonna give man. this one. I don't want to give this one because I don't think people know about this one. But this one is called Fire Yourself. Okay. It's by Brian Elwood. All right. As you can see, tabs and everything. Now, what this does, this book literally gives you a blueprint on how to scale your team and actually find a team. It actually has in there a whole Craigslist and Indeed job post on how to find people and hire them. It, it, all, everything. Uh, and it's all built on wholesaling. So I've never told nobody about that one. But this is one of my favorite books. I read all the time because that's one of the, the, the most we were talking about this before. I think that's one of the most crucial parts and, and one of the hardest parts is finding good people to yep. be on your team. So, uh, yeah, that one. Um, what else we got? I would say that those those are like my top. I really like Outwitting the Devil, man. Especially, honestly, if you, if you uh, instead of reading it, listen to it on YouTube. I believe it's free. Um, so uh, you actually, they have like a weird devil voice. So it sounds so weird. But, you know, to give the context of it, it's basically, you know, a, a guy interviewing the devil. But it's more about the mindset of, of how, you know, you know, the devil, quote unquote, uh, you know, uses things and uses people, um, you know, to, to flourish you, right. To, to keep you down, to not want you to have businesses. Um, it's just a crazy book. And I think a lot of people should read it. Cool. Cool, man. I'll definitely link all of those in the description box below, man. Great call. Great information, man. One of my favorite calls so far, and it's only season two, episode number two. But listen, man, if you had to provide our listeners with some final advice, some final, some last words, what would those words be? Man, uh, it's going to sound cliche, Jamel. They're going to hate me, but you got to find out that why. And, and that why for me, the W-H-Y is what hurts you. What is hurting you right now? What is hurting you right now that 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 really makes you want to watch this podcast, right? That makes you want to go ahead and watch other podcasts. That makes you want to, you know, do something else, right? If you don't feel like whatever you're doing right now is not going to contribute to your major life goal within five to ten years, it's not going to get you what you want. You need to, you need to go ahead and find that why, right? Whether it's the fact that you can't, um, you know, uh, go on vacation when you want whether it's the fact that you need to, you know, be with your family when you want, whatever it is, find that, beat it up, and, and literally start a business. Start whatever it is, because we've seen it now, especially with the, with the pandemic. There is no safety net. There is no support. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of this is a free-for-all, right? <laughs> and you got to have your own business, man. You know, a lot of the time, I mean, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm driving around and I'm seeing businesses that I would never thought, you know, out of business. So, you know, for me, man, I, I would, I would say to you guys is believe in yourself, right? Believe in yourself, take action. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, just, just do what you got to do. It, one of my best things is if it ain't you, then who, right? Look at yourself, look at your family. If it ain't you, right. Then who else is going to do it? If that lineup ain't too strong, then it, it got to be you. You got to put in that work, but it's all worth it. I promise you that the right. work is worth it. 
That's right, man. One thing I I, I wanna I wanna lead with that. I wanna I wanna uh piggyback off of that is you know I said you, you guys have heard me say this before. At the end of the day, if you really think about all of the people you can help, yourself, your family, homeowners, whoever, you can have a huge impact on everybody. But if you don't take action, then you're just being selfish, right? Yeah. So stop being selfish. Start taking action. Yeah. That's how you get from where you are right now to where you want to go in real estate. Brandon the Rain, we're bringing the fire content today, y'all. Fire. Uh, looking forward to having you again sometime in the near future, man. Be sure to check out uh, Brandon on, across all social media platforms. Check all of the information in the description box below in the show notes. And listen, make sure you reach out to him. Join us yeah. on Clubhouse. This guy is actually doing deals in today's market. And he's crushing it right now. Yep. He yep. just started Appreciate four years ago. So you guys can do this too. And that's yep. exactly why I wanted to bring him on. Yeah, so we locked up one today. This is my Instagram story, you know, from assignment to title to check. I mean, you know, we showed off, you know. So at the end of the day, um, like I said, we just I'm, we just trying to provide as much value to, 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 the, to, the, to the marketplace, to people, and just let them know that it's possible. You know, I, I, me coming from Queens, New York, you know, people that I know, a lot of the stuff is like, why are you trying to help? Everything's a scam. Everything is not for real. And I just want to put it out there that it is possible because, you know, um, it sounds like a scam, right? I mean, flipping contracts with no, little to no money, no experience, and you're going to make 10, 20, 30, 40,000 sounds, doesn't sound realistic, right? Especially coming from where I come from. But, you you know, there are people out here like you and I that's been just doing it and, and showing, showing how it works. So, yeah, definitely check it out. You know what I'm saying? Of course, man. Long way from the barbershop, bro. But listen, Amen. man. Amen. Listen, I want you guys to definitely check out all of the all of the details in the show notes. Make sure you reach out to Brandon. And if you missed any of the gems, make sure you rewatch this episode as well. And I'll talk to y'all on the next one. Peace. Peace. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash jamelgibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to reieducationacademy.com. And that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.